Welcome to Madison Labor Radio. Labor Radio is dedicated to bringing news, information, and cultural events focused on working people and the labor movement to the Madison area and the surrounding communities. I'm Jimmy Coonan. I'm a member of the Carpenters and Joiners of America, Local 314. Thank you to all our listeners. Your support helps make Labor Radio and all the great programming on WORT possible. Hi, I'm Lois Keel, a labor supporter. People are calling it summer strike, er, strike summer indeed. Today we share the latest news of the UPS negotiations, actions at True Stage, organizing at Stanford, the strikes by writers and actors in Hollywood, and more. We also take a look at immigration policy, efforts to lower the working age, and more. And if you like what you hear, please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of WART and Labor Radio. The Waukesha School Board voted 9-0 to terminate a first-grade teacher, Melissa Temple, last week for a tweet criticizing the district about a song choice. Labor Radio reporter Abigail Levins spoke with advocacy group about what this decision means for teachers and their ability to speak on key issues. A Waukesha teacher who spoke out against the school district's decision to ban the song Rainbow Land in March was fired last week. I think this is hugely chilling and it's intended to be chilling. That's Rabbi Bonnie Margulis, the executive director of Wisconsin Faith Voices for At Justice, after the decision last week. Melissa Temple, a first-grade dual-language teacher at Higher Elementary School, planned for her students to sing Rainbow Land by Miley Cyrus and Dolly Parton for their spring concert. The school district banned the song. They claimed it caused controversial issues in the classroom, according to a district policy. Temple protested on her personal Twitter account on March 21, 2023, saying, quote, My first-graders were so excited to sing Rainbow Land for our spring concert, but it has been vetoed by our administration. When? Will it end? End quote. The Waukesha School District responded by placing Temple on leave on April 3rd. After over a month of investigations, the district recommended her termination, saying she had violated a policy about how to bring complaints to the school board. The hearing regarding this decision to terminate was held last Wednesday. The hearing lasted an open session for almost four hours. The school board members voted 9-0 to terminate Melissa Temple. In a statement released last Wednesday, the board cited their reasoning for firing Temple. Quote, the testimony and evidence presented during the hearing demonstrated that Ms. Temple repeatedly misstated the circumstances of her supervisor's decision, leading to substantial liability to the district, disruption to the learning environment, and threat of harm to the welfare of students and staff. End quote. The statement said that the board takes free speech seriously but argued they have to suppress speech when it, quote, adversely affects the learning environment, end quote. Laura Pensenault from the Alliance for Education in Wausau said this is a blatant violation of free speech and Temple's First Amendment rights. She pointed out that the district just passed a policy committed to more transparency with parents and students, and she is concerned that this is still happening. Pensenault said that a lot of speech restriction is happening to those who are part of or speak up for minority groups. 
So I think it's particularly concerning that this, the speech and the discipline tends to focus on um, teachers who stand up or parents who stand up or students who stand up and speak in contrary to the board or the district administration. Pedsnall said this is particularly concerning because teachers are already leaving the district. And if the board continues to silence diverse views, this will adversely affect the school learning environment and therefore the students. Teachers are afraid to speak out in the classroom. They're afraid to talk about issues. Um, They're afraid to have conversations. They're afraid to mention the word rainbow, right, for fear that they're going to get disciplined for something. So I think that means kids aren't able to explore issues that's happening in the world around them. Mark Goulas from Wisconsin Faith Voices for Justice echoed these concerns. And when we are stifled and our teachers are stifled, then our, our kids are really harmed. And ultimately, our society is harmed because we're going to be raising a whole generation of kids who don't know how to think critically and don't know how to engage with ideas that are different from their own, don't know how to engage from, with people who are different from themselves. Ultimately, Pensanel is thankful her kids are graduated and not part of the school district anymore. She called the policy aggressive and plans to keep advocating for justice for teachers. She says it is important to speak out and encourage others to speak about their experiences and especially to encourage students to use their voices. The future of Melissa Temple is unclear. Her lawyer, Summer Mershid, told the Journal Sentinel there would be a lawsuit but did not specify a timeline. Reporting for Labor Radio, I'm Abigail Levins. On Wednesday, the International Brotherhood of Teamsters and UPS agreed to resume negotiations starting next week. News sources in the Teamsters website indicate that UPS will agree to consider pay increases to complete a deal. These talks will take place right before the July 31st deadline where 340,000 UPS delivery and warehouse workers are prepared to walk off the job if no agreement is reached. UPS pilots who have a different contract have pledged to honor the picket line. According to the Teamsters website, UPS bowed to the overwhelming show of Teamster unity and reached out to the union to resume negotiations. The Teamsters agreement with UPS is the largest private sector union contract in North America, and a strike could have had a major impact on the U.S. supply chain. The Teamsters have already negotiated with UPS to eliminate the two-tier wage job classification, increase the number of full-time jobs, and address health care concerns health concerns around heat illness in this five-year contract. There are 10 days left for the parties to reach an agreement on the remaining issues. Breaking rocks out here on the chain gang Breaking rocks and serving my time Breaking rocks out here on the chain gang Cause it done convicted me a crime Hold it steady right there while I hear it Office and Professional Employees International Union Local 39, members at True Stage will escalate their fight for a fair contract. On Saturday, July 29th, workers at True Stage will mount a demonstration demanding that True Stage come to the bargaining table with a reasonable contract offer. Negotiations for a new contract began more than a year ago with little progress to date. 
Since then, there has been a 20-day unfair labor practice strike, and prosecutors with the Milwaukee Office of the National Labor Relations Board have found merit in accusations that TrueStage illegally withheld information requested by the Office and Professional Employees International Union, Local 39, regarding bonuses for its members. Joel Vika is the chief steward of True Stage OPIU Workers. Labor Radio asked Chief Steward Avika to describe the state of negotiations as of this week. They're going extremely slowly because the company uh, is still stalling the bargaining process after returning to work from our unfair labor practice strike. We are still scheduled to bargain through mediation. The mediator provided six dates that they were available for mediation. The union accepted all six of those dates and the company accepted three. And this is pretty typical for True Stage. They refuse to meet except basically by the minimum standards that are required of them in order to continue bargaining because they want to draw out the process longer and try to avoid reaching a fair contract with us. Has the finding of the National Labor Relations Board regarding unfair labor practices had any visible effect on the company's conduct? Not yet. So we haven't uh, met with them for bargaining since the merit charge was found. And frankly, they haven't provided the information to us yet either. So maybe it's going to take more of the other eight outstanding unfair labor practice charges that we filed coming back and showing that they're continuing to violate the law for them to change their behavior. Given this current impasse, what options are open to the workers at uh, True Stage to secure a contract? Well, it's, it's still the thing that is open to most workers uh, through the bargaining process, which is collective action and continuing to put public pressure on the company for their bad behavior. Insurance companies like True Stage really rely on their reputation you know, in order to be able to sell insurance and be trusted <laughs> by uh, the people who uh, are policyholders, but when they are violating federal labor law for hundreds of their own employees, it doesn't exactly inspire much confidence in their business practices. So I think we have to continue to shed a light on uh, their practices. And in particular, on the 29th, we're holding a rally and a march for a fair contract. So that's one of the next steps that members are taking to uh, continue the fight. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I'd just like to say, if you're in the Madison area, please feel free to attend our March and Rally for a Fair Contract on Saturday, the 29th. We're going to gather at 9 a.m. on Dayton and State Street um, and march around the Capitol and then have a rally. We've reached out to a number of different politicians, unions, and other organizations that are uh, planning on being there and, and speaking with us, including uh, Mike Jones, the president of uh, the Madison Teachers Union, um, Voces de la Frontera, and there are going to be other uh, politicians there who are uh, going to s speak in favor of why we deserve a fair contract. So, On a national level, the OPIU is contacting unions that own credit unions, such as locals of the American Federation of Teachers and other unions, to ask those entities to directly contract True Stage. Membership support for a fair contract and the union remain high. A vast majority of the membership support the decision to demonstrate at the Capitol Square during the farmer's market. Members are determined to bring True Stage to the table with a reasonable offer. Thanks to Joe Avika for this interview. I am Frank Emsbach for Madison Labor Radio. As reports of immigrants facing repression and death at the border continue to come out, the Madison faith community has issued a call to action. Greg Gabowski reports. 
At a press conference on Wednesday, organized by Wisconsin Faith Voices for Justice at the Orchard Ridge United Church of Christ in Southwest Madison, members and allies of the faith community demanded a just and humane immigration system. Representatives of Catholic, Protestant, and Jewish faiths and representatives of the immigrant community demanded a moral response to the oppression, imprisonment, family separation, or death faced right now at the U.S.-Mexico border by those entering the U.S., and criticized the Biden administration for continuing or even exacerbating repressive policies put in place by the predecessor Trump administration. In a statement issued before the event, the group writes, quote, The U.N. has criticized President Biden's replacement of Title 42 with Title 8 as a violation of international law. In a very real sense, our immigrant system is not broken, as we so often hear. It is doing the job our politicians wanted to do quite well, unquote. The Reverend Kelly Aspreth Jackson, a co-senior minister at the First Unitarian Society of Madison, said that the faith community and political leaders cannot look away. We don't have an option about whether or not to look away from the deeply dehumanizing, at times murderous treatment of people trying to enter into this particular land that I have the privilege of having been born into out of necessity and the desire for a full life for themselves and their children. There just isn't an option to look away. And yet, and yet, each day in this country, that is consistently the position of a large number of our elected leaders. On Monday, the Houston Chronicle reported through a whistleblower that Border Patrol officers deployed by Texas Governor Greg Abbott were ordered to push small children and nursing babies back into the Rio Grande to deny water to asylum seekers in the record heat and in one incident that was not officially recorded, leaving a pregnant woman trapped in razor wire where she miscarried. Rabbi Bonnie Margulis, executive director of Wisconsin Faith Voices for Justice, said that the actions by or even policies of border officials that can kill those who cross the border are nothing new and have also been practiced by federal officials over recent years. There's an organization in um, Tucson called No Mas Muertos, No More Deaths. They bring humanitarian aid into the desert. They bring large tanks of water. They leave food in the desert. And ICE deliberately comes along behind them and tears open the plastic bottles of water so that all the water will run out so that the migrants won't have water. So humanitarian attempts to help people who are trying to cross the desert and help them to stay safe are deliberately and proactively being thwarted by ICE, and this has been going on for years. The immigrants, many of whom seek political asylum, are routinely called criminals or invaders by right-wing politicians in the U.S. They may also include a number of workers seeking employment in the U.S. in industries that capitalists and politicians here know are systemically staffed by a precarious and often undocumented workforce. Many of these industries, including dairy, agriculture, and meatpacking, are integral to Wisconsin's economy. Stephanie Salgado, Madison organizer for the Milwaukee-based immigrants' rights organization Voces de la Frontera, includes allies in the labor movement in joining the faith and immigrant rights communities in demanding just and humane treatment of the largely working-class immigrants facing mistreatment at the border. For a coalition or almost like multiple movements, a labor movement, faith organizations trying to do well, this is why I advocate for like intersectional building coalition and especially from people who are trying to do labor movements towards progressive measures and workers' rights. So Stephanie Salgado, Voces de la Frontera.
The speakers on Wednesday asked that all shall call their elected federal representatives and demand fair and humane treatment for immigrants that meet standards of humanity and justice under recognized international law. Listeners in unions can also submit resolutions to their locals or district committees. For Labor Radio, I'm Greg Javosky. Writers and actors across the country are still on strike against the entertainment industry's major production companies. Labor Radio has an update on this action. Over 180,000 writers and actors are continuing an economic strike against the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers this week. 20,000 writers represented by the Writers Guild of America have been on strike since early May, and 160,000 actors represented by the Screen Actors Guild joined the picket line late last week. Both the writers and actors point to the anachronistic nature of their most recent contract, and especially its inability to govern work and a radically changed business model as the driving force behind their action. Both groups are demanding increases to residuals paid out for work that is hosted mainly through a streaming service like Netflix, Max, or Amazon Prime Video. The unions are also demanding regulations on the use of generative artificial intelligence in the production process. Actors say that AMPTP's most recent proposal would allow major studios to scan and reuse the likenesses of background actors in perpetuity, while writers say that studios are non-committal when it comes to restrictions on using artificially generated scripts. Studios and their executives have been clear about employing attrition to bring an end to the strike. It has been almost 80 days since writers have been able to schedule a negotiation session with studios, despite persistent offers by the Guild to do so. A report by Deadline cited studio insiders who claimed that the studios don't intend to meet with writers again for, quote, several more months, and that, quote, the end game is to allow things to drag on until union members start losing their apartments and losing their houses. On the ground, studios are engaging in other underhanded tactics to make life for strikers more difficult. NBC Universal was accused this week of trimming back trees that strikers used for shade outside of their Los Angeles studio lots and using construction barriers to restrict the movement of union members, both of which have spurred investigations by the Los Angeles City Council and National Labor Relations Board. Meanwhile, studio executives like Disney's Bob Iger seek to spin the consequences back on the union. Well, I think it's very disturbing. There's a level of expectation that they have that is just not realistic. It's a shame. It is really a shame. Union actors and writers on the line have corrected the record. Actor Sean Gunn had this to say about modern studio executives like Iger. I think that when Bob Iger talks about uh, what a shame it is, he needs to uh, remember that in 1980, um, CEOs like him made 30 times what the worker, what their lowest worker was making. Now Bob Iger makes 400 times what his low, lowest worker is. And I think that's a shame, Bob. And maybe you should take a look in the mirror and, and what, ask yourself, why is that? While writers and actors walk the picket line, further changes across the entertainment industry are being hashed out by the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, or IATSE. IATSE represents theatrical, technical, and other support workers across the entertainment industry. This week, the union's Broadway branch reached a tentative agreement covering approximately 1,500 wardrobe, hair, and makeup artists, locally referred to as pink contract workers. Even so, it is likely that many of the union's California-based membership would honor the writers and actors' picket lines for the duration of the action. Reporting for Labor Radio, this is Sean Hagerup. Some are calling this strike summer. Frank Emsbach reports on labor's active season. 
Bloomberg News reports that more than 650,000 American workers are threatening to go on strike this summer, or have already done so, in an avalanche of union activity not seen in the U.S. in decades. The combined actors and writers strikes in Hollywood are already a once-in-a-generation event. Unions for United Parcel Services, Inc. and Detroit's big three automakers are poised to join them in the coming weeks if contract negotiations fall through. Quote, this will be the biggest moment of striking really since the 1970s, said labor historian Nelson Lichtenstein, who directs the University of California Santa Barbara Center for the Study of Work, Labor, and Democracy. Again, according to Blumberg, the pandemic years have in some ways re-energized American labor, emboldened by tight labor markets and agitated after shouldering new whisks. Workers notched a series of surprising victories at some of the most prominent U.S. companies. Now, wary of soaring corporate profits, as major technological changes threaten up in their industry, unions are ready to test their clout. Quote, there is an ambition here that I think is new, said Lichtenstein. They're on the offense. Again, according to Blumberg, quote, the companies for their part are facing their own economic realities. In Hollywood, studio profits are down because of a shift to streaming, and Wall Street has punished companies for their lagging financials. UPS is confronting difficult headwinds with a package demand declining as the country emerges from the pandemic. And the car makers say they are ready to offer generous pay and benefits, but need to keep wages competitive with the lower paying rivals like Telsa and as they invest billions into the shift to electric vehicles. Quote, in terms of workers in America who still have the ability to change their conditions, these are three of the top 10, said Larry Cohn, a former Communication Workers of America Union president, who now chairs the advocacy group Our Revolution. If unions come out on top, it could be a boost for organizing efforts at companies like Amazon.com and Starbucks that, despite recent wins, still remain largely non-union. Teamsters President Sean O'Brien has said he plans on using the union's success to win over Amazon workers. Blomberg concludes that money is one factor driving negotiations across the board. Secondly, workers in the OAW especially are determined to win back past concessions, like the multi-tier wage systems. Workers are also facing technological change, such as AI in the entertainment industry and the development of electric vehicles in the automobile industry, and they are demanding that their unions take steps to deal with the negative effects of these changes on wages and working conditions. In addition, members have voted a new leadership in the UAW and the Teamsters, in large part because of their pledges to reverse past concessions. Thanks to Blomberg News for information in this report. I am Frank Emsbach for Madison Labor Radio. Legislators across the country are changing labor laws, and not for the good either. Carol Weidel reports. States across the country are quietly lowering the alcohol service age, according to a recent report by Nina Mast of the Economic Policy Institute. Lawmakers are engaged in a coordinated corporate-backed campaign to weaken child labor protections. These laws put young people at risk of sexual harassment, underage drinking, and other harms. Since 2021, at least nine states have introduced bills to lower the age at which young workers can serve alcohol. Seven have enacted them. The Wisconsin bill introduced in the Senate 
proposes to lower the alcohol service age from 18 to 14. In West Virginia, 16-year-olds can now serve alcohol and bartend. Mast also described teen alcohol service as part of a corporate agenda to cut labor costs and deregulate employment. Quote, the National Restaurant Association, which represents over 100 fast food and full-service restaurant corporations and has affiliate groups in every state, has long sought to maintain low wages and weak labor standards in the restaurant industry. Unquote. The restaurant industry is notorious for low wages and benefits and exploitative working conditions, including racial and gender discrimination and rates of sexual harassment that are dramatically higher than in other industries. Listeners can learn more about research and analysis on the economic status of working America at epi.org. Reporting for Labor Radio, this is Carol Weidel. In Wisconsin... Even the Teamsters mobilized for a possible strike at UPS. IBT Local are on strike in two other locations, De Pere, Wisconsin, and Chippewa Falls. Leinenkugel workers, members of Local 662, struck Leinenkugel Brewery in Chippewa Falls on Monday, July 10th. One worker explained why he was on strike and how it could impact future workers. Eric Moransky, a Leinenkugel Brewery employee, said... In part, quote, the other thing is, if we don't do it now, the younger guys are going to suffer in the future, too, end quote. Monarski is hopeful that a new contract will be offers, offered. Photos on Facebook show the union members carrying signs and calling for competitive wages and a fair contract. Leinen Kugels is owned by Molson Coors, which says they are offering competitive wages. But the workers clearly disagree and have called the company's offer meager. Thanks to various news sources in Chippewa Falls for the information on this story. Teamsters are also on strike in De Pere, Wisconsin at the New Dairy Select Milk, a subsidiary of Borden Dairy. Workers have gone on strike to protest unfair labor practices at the company. The workers produce sour cream for a number of well-known brands, including Taco Bell, Wendy's, and HelloFresh. In their press statement, Local 662 Secretary-Treasurer Tom Strickland said, quote, Borden Dairy is saying, take it or leave it. The employer isn't bargaining in good faith. This offer is terrible and concessionary. We're not going to take it, end quote. Negotiations are at a standoff over the company's refusal to reach a compromise on the workers' health care coverage. Local 662 is pushing for the workers to join a Teamsters health care plan, which would offer better coverage at a lower rate for both parties. Borden Dairy is demanding that the workers take the company's health care coverage, which, in the union's opinion, would force them to pay higher premiums and deductibles and some out-of-pocket expenses for a wide variety of services that would be covered under a Teamster plan. Teamsters Local 662 represents workers in a wide variety of industries through central and northern Wisconsin. For more information, go to Teamsters662.com. Thanks for listening to Madison Labor Radio. I'm Jimmy Coonan. Thanks to editor Frank Emsbach, assistant Robin G., reporters Greg Jabowski, Sean Hangerup, 
Janine Ramsey, Abigail Levins, Carol Whitell, and Damage Control Specialist, our favorite, Joanne Powers. Special thanks to Keith Steffens, our reader coordinator, web poster, and you, Lee, and to all our readers and members of the IBEW Local 2304 WORT Staff Collective. We dedicate this show to Ellen Lalazur. And I'm Lois Keel. We'd also like to thank all of the generous contributors to Labor Radio and WRT. Please stay tuned for the Blues Cruise with Dave Watts and the Professor Bill Clark.